Good morning again. As I said, I would introduce myself just a little bit more than I did before. My name is Amy Schinkel. I work for Resonate Global Mission, which is the mission agency of the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, previously, we were home missions and world missions. We merged together a number of years ago. And my work there as a regional mission leader means that I have a team of people and we serve churches like yours and help them learn how to love their neighbors. And uh, part of that loving our neighbors is planting new churches. Part of it is developing campus ministries on public university campuses. Part of it is helping you make good connections with partners, missionary partners around the world, so that together we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for your continued support for Resonate, for the mission work, for um, the church plants in this area, for the campus ministries in the area. We know that this is such an important calling from God for us, and we are so glad to partner with you in that. So thank you for that, and thanks for having me here this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That's going to be our uh, scripture that we're going to dwell in together this morning. And as we do that, I invite you to join me in asking for the Spirit's presence among us. Lord, we come before you today, and we are thankful that you've given us your word. Lord, help us not to take that lightly, to know that the Creator God has given us these words. And Lord, as we hear these words, help us to receive them and help us to live them out as we carry them with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 17. And this is Paul, and he is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. He says, When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. But I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. But thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I am a triathlete, and so especially when I'm training in the summer for these races that include running and swimming and biking, I happen to sweat a lot. And whenever you're walking across the parking lot, especially if it's hot and humid, I'm sure that you know what that feeling is like. Well, recently I learned that there are actually two kinds of sweat. I had no idea about this. There's this exercise sweat, or the sweat that happens when we're really hot, and that type of sweat actually doesn't smell. Did you know that? 
But there's another type of sweat that happens when we're really anxious. So say we're taking a test that we're, we didn't study well for, or we're driving on Michigan winter roads, or we're sitting in the dentist chair. That's me. Our sweat releases this stinky smell. So two kinds of sweat. This one smell, that, one type of sweat that doesn't smell, but this anxious sweat that does smell. Scientists say that this is so that our sweat will literally alert others to the fact that there's something wrong. There's something, there's a problem here that we need to pay attention to. People can literally smell our anxiety. And that's the type of smell we're self-conscious about, isn't it? That's why we put on deodorant and fancy lotions and perfumes and colognes. Nobody likes to smell and nobody likes to be anxious. And so we do what we can to avoid both of those things. We get out of this situation. We make whatever changes need to be made so that we don't feel or smell anxiety. Whenever we start talking about evangelism, it seems to be something that makes people anxious. Immediately they start thinking about, well, what would I say? And how do I know who I would say it to? And when would I say it? And what if I tumble over my words? And what if there's questions they ask that I don't know the answer to? Whenever we start talking about evangelism, we usually get anxious. The word evangelism literally means good news. Sharing the good news. And what is the good news of God? The good news is that you and I were once broken and we've been made whole. We've gone from darkness to seeing light. We were once blind, but now we see. We were once lonely, but now we are loved. These are incredible stories. So why does telling that good news, telling those stories, make us so anxious? Why are we so self-conscious about that? Why do we try to avoid it as much as possible? Well, before we're too hard on ourselves, I know we have a tendency to be that way when it comes to evangelism. Let's look at Paul today, because even Paul let his anxiety get in the way of sharing the gospel. In verses 12 and 13, we read this. When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. But I had no peace of mind, because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. A little bit of historical context is going to help us understand what's happening here. A number of years ago, Paul went to the, the city of Corinth, and he planted a church there. He started a church. He told them about this man named Jesus Christ and all of the things that he had done on earth and how Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, could forgive their sins and draw them near to God. And so Paul, for over a year and a half, discipled the people in Corinth. He raised up leaders to lead that church in Corinth, and then he felt like it was time for him to go on to other cities to plant more and more churches. As he traveled, he stayed in touch with them. He heard about how that church was doing, and he really cared deeply for that church in Corinth. But what he heard through the grapevine troubled him greatly about that church. 
And so he returned to them. He went back to that church to check up on them. And when he met with that church, they questioned his authority. They accused him of false teaching. They had begun to believe all these false teachers in their midst. And they even wondered who Jesus actually really was. Paul, as you can imagine, was so disheartened. And so he left them once again. But after he left, he just couldn't let go of it. And so he wrote what he himself calls a severe letter that he sent to them. And he sent it to them via his friend Titus. So he sends his friend Titus with this severe letter off to this church in Corinth. And the plan was that Titus would deliver this letter and then join up again with Paul and give him the news about how they received this letter and and what the church was going to do about it. Meanwhile, Paul continued on his journeys. So here we find Paul, and Paul is in Troas. And we find out that when he comes to the city of Troas to preach the good news, remember we said that's literally evangelism, when Paul comes to Troas to preach the good news, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. This was a place where the good news was going to be well-received. These were a people who wanted to hear the good news. I kind of wonder what it was like for Paul to know that the door of opportunity was open for him to share that good news, don't you? I wonder if it's because the people who he was staying with, his host family, were asking a lot of questions about who this Jesus was or, or why Paul behaved the way he did. I wonder if maybe Paul was sitting on a a street corner one day and, and he just saw people in his midst and he could tell that they were longing for something else than what they currently had. We don't really know what that door of opportunity was, but Paul knew that God had opened the door of opportunity for him to share the good news in that place. And so what did he do? Well, Paul laid awake at night. Paul was worried. Paul was anxious. He was wondering, why hasn't Titus come back yet? Here I sent this letter, and I don't know how they're going to take it, and I really care about these people. Maybe you've ever sent a letter, or maybe you've ever sent a text to a good friend, and later you you worried about it. You kind of ruminated on it, and you're like, oh, I hope they took that message okay. I was trying to tell them love with a bunch of grace and truth, but, oh... I don't know how they're going to take it. That was Paul. He's laying awake here at night, and he's all worried. Maybe he's worried that Titus is never going to return. Maybe he's worried that Titus got sick or he got robbed, and he's beat up lying along the side of the road somewhere. If you've ever had a 16-year-old driver, you know exactly what I mean. But Titus did not show up in Troas. And so Paul finally decides he can't handle it anymore. And he walks away from this door of opportunity, places where he could share the good news, and he goes back to Macedonia where he finds Titus. This is really interesting because this is Paul. This is Paul the super missionary, the church planter extraordinaire, walking away from doors that God opened for him to share the gospel. I wonder if he regretted that decision once he learned that Titus was fine, and actually the church received the letter really well, and they're kind of on a good track again. 
even though Paul let his anxieties get in the way of sharing the gospel, he doesn't dwell on that here. What he gets to is a truth that is true for all of us who are anxious. All of us who are anxious about evangelism or about sharing the good news or about the circumstances in our lives that keep us from doing so. Paul says in verses 14 and 15, God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. How can this be? How can God take Paul, anxieties and all, and turn the stinky sweat smell into a pleasing aroma? Well, Paul explains this using an analogy that most of us here probably aren't going to understand, but the, the church in Corinth would have understood it immediately. So let me give you a little bit of the historical context again. He, Paul said, He has made us his captives, that, God, that is, God has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Hmm. The church in Corinth would hear this, and in their head, they would immediately see an image of the Roman practice of holding a parade through the center of town whenever they were victorious in battle. The conquering general would lead the procession, and behind him would be the people that were captured, the captives in that war. Those captives were on their way to a very public and humiliating death. Paul says, God is leading, Christ is leading this procession. Christ is the victor. Christ has the victory over all, and so he is leading this procession. And who are we? We are the captives, continuing along in Christ's triumphal procession. These captives who are, who are being led to their humiliating and public death. Well, when Paul talks about his own death, he usually isn't talking about his own physical death. He's talking about his spiritual death. Later on in Galatians 2, Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In this analogy, Paul thinks of Christ as the one who's leading us because he is the victor. And Paul himself, one who has been conquered by the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, Paul himself has died to his old self. He's put all those old things away, his old way of living, his old beliefs, and he has submitted himself fully to Jesus Christ, the victor. Well, also in this procession, as this was happening, as these Roman generals were walking through the streets, the temples in the town would open their doors and allow the smell of incense to waft through the streets. So as this parade is happening, they're smelling all these sweet perfumes, and the smell of this incense then triggers for Paul a reminder that it is Christ's victory. It is Christ in Paul 
that allows the smell of Christ's victory over sin and death and brokenness to be shared with those around him. So how can this be? How can anxious Paul, smelly Paul, turn that around and be a sweet-smelling perfume to those around him? It's because Christ lives in him. It's because Christ is smelling, is the aroma coming out through him. And so he says in verse 16, who is adequate for such a task as this? Who is adequate enough to share the good news of the gospel? In a few more verses, in chapter 3, he says, we are confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. People of God, when we die to ourselves and are alive in Christ, then our very lives are a sweet-smelling perfume that draws others to Christ. When our lives are lived like Christ lived his life, then the smell of salvation, of peace, of unconditional love, of joy, of hope, follows us wherever we go. Even if our old selves are anxious, even if they smell, we don't have to be self-conscious about it because it is Christ who lives in us. It is Christ's qualifications that make us able to share the good news. It's interesting, actually, that Paul uses the sense of smell to talk about evangelism. Our sense of smell is the only sense, only one of the five senses that is fully developed before we are born. Smells and emotions are stored in the same place in our brain. So you can probably remember what your mom's kitchen or your high school locker room smells like, even if you don't remember what the color on the walls was. Smells cannot be ignored. If you're driving down the street and you, you might, you're going to smell that skunk before you see it. Sharing the good news is, is an intricate part of who we are when Christ lives in us. When we sit next to someone on the bus or talk to the cashier at the grocery store, what they should smell from us is the sweet aroma of love and grace, and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. When we walk through our neighborhood and say hello to the shut-ins across the street, people might not see the cross necklace we're wearing, but they will smell the sweet perfume of God's good news. The aroma of Christ will lodge itself in their brains next to their emotions. It will permeate their memories it cannot be ignored. And so this week, as we go through our week, every time you do something that tends to cover up your anxieties, to maybe to cover up the stinky smell of sweat, every time you put on deodorant or a fancy lotion or you wash your hair with avocado tea tree something or other or maybe put on perfume or cologne every time you do that remind yourself that because christ lives in us 
We are a sweet-smelling perfume to those around us. Remind yourself that when we die to ourselves, when we die to the things that make us anxious, when we die to the things that keep us from following and being like Jesus Christ, then the love and the grace comes through us like a sweet-smelling aroma to those around us. And as you think about evangelism, as you think about sharing the good news, remember that it is Christ who lives in us as a sweet-smelling perfume. How will you smell this week to the people that you meet? Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we so often think that evangelism is about us. It's about what we say. It's about um, the things that we can control. And Lord, help us to remember and to believe that the first step in sharing this good news is dying to ourselves. It's letting go of everything we are that is broken and instead embracing you who makes us whole. It's letting go of everything in us that, that feels like hatred or anger or worry or anxiety and instead embracing you who gives us peace and love and joy and salvation. And Lord, as we continually put you on every single day, as we continually every single day die to ourselves and come alive in Christ, we pray, Lord, that that sweet-smelling aroma would, would come from us and that the people around us would see us and know that there is something different. Lord, that they would be drawn to that smell and that they would be drawn to you. For you, Lord, are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, continue to live in us so that others will see you and know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.